When Jesus entered Jerusalem for the final time, he was met by a mixed crowd. He was greeted by the religious leaders of the Jews who hated him. He was also greeted by the masses who praised him but who had false expectations of why he came. Today's lesson is a reminder that religion and even worship are not sure signs of faith. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey with Stephen Davy. Stephen called this lesson Palm Branches and an Unbroken Colt. Now, as we begin this Wisdom Journey, it's Sunday. This is the beginning of what we call the Passion Week. This is the week from Christ's entrance into Jerusalem to his trial, crucifixion, and resurrection. Now, Jesus must still be carrying uh, the aroma of that perfume Mary had anointed him with as he and his disciples leave Bethany and head west now toward Jerusalem, just two miles away on the other side of the Mount of Olives. Now, all four Gospels tell us that when they arrived at a village called Bethphage, Jesus sends two disciples into town to fetch an unbroken colt. He's going he's gonna to ride that into Jerusalem. This is a young donkey that's never been ridden before, and this will fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah 9, verse 9, given 500 years earlier, that the king will arrive sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, not only does this fulfill prophecy, but it's also a miracle of Christ's authority over creation. Imagine riding an unbroken donkey. Now, I don't know how many cowboys out there are listening to me right now, but at rodeos I've attended— We all hold our breath when a cowboy tries to ride a bucking bronco for eight seconds. Well, let me tell you, this donkey ride through a mob of shouting, singing, palm branch-waving people is nothing less than a miracle. You need to understand as well that riding a donkey at this time in these ancient days was a royal symbol of peace. Jesus is signifying that he's royalty but he's also signifying that he's a king who's come in peace. Now, John chapter 12 and verse 12 records, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, so they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. By the way, Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, estimated that Jerusalem's population grew to some three million people during the Passover. And John tells us here that there's this large crowd that that comes to meet him carrying palm branches. Now, that's an activity reserved for honoring the arrival of royalty. I think of the book of Revelation over in chapter 7 where believers from all around the world are shown standing before the throne of God doing what? Waving palm branches. One day, beloved, you and I will be there waving palm branches to honor King Jesus as we celebrate his presence. Now, here in John chapter 12 and verse 13, the crowd is chanting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna is the Hebrew word for save us now. So the Jewish people are expecting Jesus to ride into town, overthrow Rome, and restore the kingdom of Israel. They're planning here on a revolution. Jesus is planning on a resurrection. 
This crowd is also, by the way, singing one of their favorite psalms, verse 13. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This was a traditional Passover song from Psalm 118. But they've added a line here. Notice they're singing, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Well, they've added that. You see, they're ready to crown him king. They think it's time for a coronation. Jesus knows that in a few days it'll be time for a crucifixion. Now, remember, beloved, we have the advantage today of the entire account. Well, that's not the case here with the disciples, and, and frankly, they're, they're deeply confused. Only later will they connect the dots and figure out the prophetic words and all these symbols here. But for now, we read in verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they'd heard he'd done this sign. So the news here has spread all around. Any remaining doubt about Jesus' power has been eliminated, beloved, by the, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. That miracle had undeniably revealed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the King of Israel. Now, what about the Jewish leaders? As we've already seen, John 11, verse 53, tells us here that, that they're making plans to put Jesus to death. And then we read over in chapter 12 and verse 10 that the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were believing in Jesus. So they're going to try to kill both of these men. These religious leaders are forced here to stand on the sidelines while literally thousands of people are shouting praises to Jesus and declaring him to be their long-awaited Messiah. And the religious leaders, all they can do is look at each other. In fact, in frustration, they say to one another here in verse 19, look, the world has gone after him. See, they, they want to kill him. But they know the people are ready to crown him. It's ironic to me that on this Sunday, it was traditional for the priests to read from Psalm 24 there in the temple. So while the people outside are singing Hosanna to Jesus, think about this. The priests are inside reading Psalm 24, and verse 7 of Psalm 24 says this, Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. This was no coincidence. In fact, for just a moment here, this world is arrested by the truth of who Jesus is. And while the unbelieving world wanted to silence the truth of Christ, it seems that All of Jerusalem is alive with people glorifying and praising the Son of God. I remember years ago watching the funeral service of one of our uh, former United States presidents. The entire service was carried on television and radio, and and literally millions of people tuned in. It was prime time, and that's typically the time, you know, when the media – devalues and dishonors Christianity. 
Well, Billy Graham got up to preach, and while millions of unbelievers were essentially forced to watch and the media forced to focus in, and ungodly politicians sat there having to sit quietly, this old evangelist got up and preached the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. He even called everybody there sinners who needed the Savior. You know, I was sitting there in my living room alternating between amen and go get them. You see, the world was silenced for just a moment and forced to hear about the glory of Jesus Christ. That's happening here. In Matthew's account, chapter 21 and verse 14, we're told that Jesus then enters the temple. He heals blind and lame people. Luke chapter 19 and verse 39 records that the you know, the Pharisees were rather pitiful in their objection to all this public adulation and excitement, telling Jesus, you know, you need to rebuke your disciples. Jesus answers them in verse 40, saying, look, if, if these people were silent, the very stones on the ground would cry out in praise. Well, after this first day in Jerusalem, and what a day it was, Matthew 21 records in verse 17, and leaving them, He went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Now, over in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, uh, we're told that Jesus is moved to tears as he looks upon the city of Jerusalem. He knows they're they're, going to ultimately reject him. It's going to lead to their destruction uh, a few years later. Beloved, mark this down. To oppose Jesus Christ is a hopeless task. You can't stop the sovereign plan of God. God isn't wringing his hands over the latest decision to come out of Washington or Parliament or or wherever you live. He's not nervous about the latest evil idea being advanced. God, God has never once called an emergency meeting of the Trinity. There are going to be people in every generation who spend their lifetime opposing Christ rejecting Christ, ridiculing Christ. They're found today on college campuses, behind news anchor desks, in in programs on television, in major publishing houses, and in liberal pulpits. But the only thing they're going to destroy is their own lives. And I think often of the atheist philosopher Voltaire, who predicted the end of Christianity He relentlessly attacked the Bible and and the gospel. Well, in the irony of God's plans, after Voltaire's death, his home was purchased by the Geneva Bible Society, which distributed Bibles around that part of the world. Well, let me tell you, the religious leaders should have waved a white flag here and bowed in surrender before their Messiah. Unfortunately, they didn't. So, the cross of Christ is now one day closer, according to the plan of God. Well, until we set sail into these next events, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson, Palm Branches and an Unbroken Colt. Stephen is the president of Wisdom International. We have a free resource for you. 
Abortion is one of the greatest tragedies of our day. It steals the life of unborn children. But even further, it sees those children as a result of some cosmic accident rather than the result of God's meticulous craftsmanship. What is God's view of life in the womb? If there was ever a time that the world needed Psalm 139, it's today. Long before sonograms, ultrasounds, and years of scientific research, David gives us an unparalleled glimpse into humanity's true womb. Stephen's resource, Designer Made, is free right now. We'll send it to you upon request. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash designer. We'll send a copy to your email inbox right away. Do that today, then join us back here next time to continue the wisdom journey. 